Hello and welcome to Radical Simple Living podcast episode 18. And um, it's a morning episode today. I'm talking to you on a really frosty morning here. I decided to uh, do this early in the day because there's a nice day ahead. Lots of sunshine. I'm going to be fairly busy and fairly tired later on. So while I'm waiting for the frost to uh, ease up a little bit, I thought I'd, I'd have a chat with you. I hope that's okay. Of course, this podcast goes all over the world, so you may be sweltering at the moment and you may be listening to it in a year's time. So that's the topical bit over with. Um, We're talking today about going without. Now, I've said before, certain aspects of this podcast are intensely practical and other bits are fairly philosophical. Today's is a mix of the two because there's a philosophical approach to going without things, but there's also a much more practical, tangible way of going without things. So that's what we're going to be thinking about. And stoicism is what it's all about, really, because most of the things we have to do without, we we don't have a choice in, do we? They're things imposed upon us. Now, I grew up and I dare say many of you do. I don't have many listeners under the age of 12. Um, Most of you have grown up in a time where life was a little bit easier than it is at the moment. It was easier because uh, lots of world conditions were easier and uh, lots of costs were lower and there were more resources everywhere. And whilst the problem, the environmental problems caused by global warming have been with us for decades, that worry has intensified. And so there's all kinds of reasons why today people are more worried about being able to get the things that they need. Now, the important word there is need, isn't it? Because the first thing in learning to make do with less or how to cope with shortages in things is to separate very clearly your needs from your wants. Now, we all want things. Um, I, I have a list in my head of thousands of things that I want. But I also have another list, which is things that I need. So I think the most important thing to do for any of us, if we are very wealthy or if we're very poor is to try and decide in our life what are those wants and what are those needs and that's a problem because we are used to living in a society where everything is on pretty much demand and over the the years and the decades and the centuries our needs and our wants have become very different things Let's give you an example. I'm sitting here talking to you and I've just poured myself a big mug of tea. Um, It's my second one of the day. It won't be my last. Now, to me, I think of tea as a need. I think I must have tea and tea would be very low on my list of things I'd, I'd want to give up because I enjoy it so much. But of course, it's not really a need, is it? It's a want. I want a cup of tea. I don't need a cup of tea. I could have a glass of water instead. So over the years, our needs and our wants have become more blurred. 
and it's hard to separate exactly what our needs are anymore. And is life only going to consist of getting our needs and can't it have a few wants as well? Well, I suspect it can, but I think we've got to develop a strategic plan where we prioritise our wants very carefully and decide which things are really important to our quality of life and which things are just niceties, just trivia that we might add on the side. There's a, of course, a famous Rolling Stones songs with lyrics by Mick Jagger, like me, from South London, so we share philosophy on this. You can't always get what you want, uh, <laughs> but if you try sometime, you just might find you get what you need. And I resisted singing on that, but you know what I mean. That's one of the things we want to think about here today. Now, of course, it is a developed world country that we're sitting here talking about cutting back and trying to find ways to help us get over difficult times. And we should never forget that for most of the people on Earth, most of the 8 billion people that live on our planet, every day is trying to find their wants, trying to find food, trying to find shelter, trying to find warmth, trying to find fresh water. And when it comes to things like medical care, when it comes to things like footwear to enable you to walk around to, to get the other things that you need, majority of people on earth have a great deal of difficulty finding those things. So the fact that we're sitting here today talking about having to give up things that we've always been used to, uh, we're doing nothing compared to those people who live in, in parts of the world where you can't get what you want no matter how hard you try sometimes. So let's try and prioritise and let's try and be rational and let's try and be stoical. And above all, let's try and be fairly upbeat about it. There's an awful lot of doom about, oh, the world is changing and our children are no longer going to grow up in the world that we knew and we can no longer expect our children to earn more than we earn. And we can no longer expect our children to have all the things we have. Or as I look forward in my life, I can see things getting more and more expensive and me being able to afford less and less. All those things may be true, but we can respond to them in a very positive way that means we're actively looking for ways to do something about it. We're looking for ways to find alternatives alternative ways of living, alternative ways of buying, alternative ways of providing what we need. And that can be a very positive thing. I'm not a negative person about all these difficulties in the world. I'm very worried, particularly about global warming. I'm very worried about wars. I'm very worried about rollaway inflation. But that's not the same as being downhearted because I think we don't have any choice in these things. When I was uh, still a teenager, I think it was about 14, I read D.H. Lawrence's novel, Sons and Lovers. And a wonderful bit that comes through in that is the stoicism of the character's mother in the book. And one day the main character um, is whining about something that he wants but he can't get. And his mother, who in a strong not Starby accent, which I can't begin to... Um, give here and I won't try for fear of insulting people that live anywhere in Nottinghamshire or Derbyshire she said to him there's two things you can do if there's something you don't like you can do something to change it or you can put up with it 
You can do something to change it or you can put up with it. And there we have the whole of, what, 3,000 years of Stoicism summed up in a, a sentence. And I think it's absolutely true. We can either do something about the things that are causing the problems for us personally or we learn to live with it. Now, why are all these things happening? Well, there's a whole list of reasons why the world is changing and why we have got to change to thrive and survive. Um, some of these reasons are international. Some of these things are international and we have very limited um, input into these things. We can do our best. We can try and influence people. We can try and be... Um, uh, as proactive as we can in supporting causes. This is two cats having a fight over a cardboard box in the distance. You can hear if you wonder what that noise is. I'm sure it's going to end up with them fighting properly or going to sleep. It's hard to tell at the moment. These international issues, wars, there's a war going on in Europe as I speak. It's an awful war. It's been going on for a year now and there's no sign of it coming to an end. And with all wars, they cost everybody. They cost everybody all over the world. Not as much as they cost the people involved in that war on both sides, but they do cost everyone. Now, this war looks like going on. There will be other wars. There's always wars. There's been wars in the Yemen for a long time now that people haven't paid a lot of attention to, but it's been going on there. Some of us remember Gulf Wars. Some of us remember... Um, Vietnam War, some of us remember uh, war, the Second World War. There's some of us here that will remember that or the aftermath of it, the Korean War. There's always been wars and there probably always will be. Wars have a detrimental effect on the entire planet. They kill people, they destroy property, they destroy farmland, uh, they wipe out people's income. They allow people to become homeless, they cause refugee problems, they cause arms races. All kinds of bad things happen as a result of war. We can't stop wars. We can try, but we can't do an awful lot about it once they start, apart from hope that they end very quickly. There's pandemics. Now, most of the world is getting over the last pandemic, the COVID, but some of the world is still in the depth of it. And there's always the chance that it will come back. And people, particularly those of you living in cities, I was fairly isolated from it living in the countryside. I could open my door and wander off into the woods any time I wanted to. There was no problem. But for those of you living in cities, you had a hard time in the lockdown if you were in a country where lockdown took place. And some places on Earth, in China, for instance, there's still a lot of people in lockdown. Now, the pandemic could come back the COVID virus could mutate to a way that the vaccine doesn't deal with particularly well. There could be a new pandemic as well as COVID. There's bird flu going around, which is putting up the price of eggs and poultry everywhere. There's, we do not know. The nature of international travel and the nature of how many of us there are and the nature of how our immune systems may have been damaged by all kinds of aspects of modern life mean that pandemics are more of a worry to us now and infectious diseases are more of a worry to us now than they have been for many decades. In Britain there's an outbreak of uh, strep A this past winter which has 
killed many more children than it should have done. And why should that be happening? We really don't know. So pandemics, epidemics are one of those things that make for instability in our system. So does climate change. Now, if we think wars are devastating, <laughs> this is sounding like a pretty awful list so far, isn't it? I'm sorry about that. If we think pandemics and wars causes problems, climate change is the biggest thing that's happening in our lifetimes. And I can say that whether you're listening as a two-year-old or a 92-year-old, the biggest problem in your lifetime is global warming because the effects of it are unpredictable. The effects of it are being felt now. The long-term effects are very bad indeed. We have to take account of this in every aspect of our life. We have to plan for it. It's no longer something that's going to be happening in the future. Many of us this year, particularly I'm thinking of um, listeners in, in New Zealand, um, listeners in many parts of North America, listeners in Pakistan, uh, in many parts of Europe and Africa, and uh, have had tremendous weather problems this year. Australia has had many years now of drought, of forest fires, of flooding, of almost every environmental disaster you can think of. These things are having a big effect on all sorts of aspects of our life and they are needing to make us more prepared and they are needing to make us more uh, self-reliant. Then there are currency issues. Now we might not think currency bothers us unless we're an international currency speculator. Um, I'm not. I've had to move money from Britain to Sweden, and 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 that was a that was a difficult business to sell your house in Britain and then move the money to Sweden. You know, if I'd have gone and said I want to start up a <laughs> I want to start up a crystal meth factory in Nicaragua, they would have been more ready to let me do that. It was very difficult saying I want to sell a house in one country and buy a house in another country. Whoa, did that cause problems? Um, I don't know why, but it did. Currency problems are a problem because if currencies collapse, that also has a knock-on effect everywhere. So we've got to be careful about that. Now, as well as those international issues, there are national issues that happen. Unemployment. Maybe some of you listening today have jobs that are at risk. Maybe some of you listening today have been made redundant from your job or been sacked from your job or perhaps you own your own company and it's having difficult times. These are bad things. Inflation is something that in some countries on earth is causing devastation because inflation means that you're getting poorer every day, basically, and that starts up people wanting more pay and that becomes more inflationary and then we have all kinds of issues. Energy costs. Well, here in Sweden, energy has gone crazy. Electrical energy in the last 12 months. Um, and I know in a lot of countries on Earth, the government has intervened to help people out with their energy bills. I wonder if they're going to do that next winter. Uh, the IMF seems to think they shouldn't be, which means that next winter could be harder in terms of our finances than this past winter has been. Food costs also. Food costs in some countries are appalling. In Turkey, the food inflation has reached um, up into the 90% at one or two points in the last few months. And um, 
there's a bit of a con going on with inflation because politicians are saying, oh, uh, inflation is coming down. Uh, this will mean cheaper price. Inflation coming down doesn't mean cheaper prices. Inflation coming down just means that the rate of increase is slowing. So if food inflation last year was 18% and next year is going to be 9%, no food comes down <laughs> in that scenario. Food continues to go up, but it goes up at a slower rate. So watch out for politicians selling a dip in inflation rate as price drops. They're not price drops. They don't mean that at all. And the prices aren't going to go below what they were a year ago. I know natural commodities, sweet potatoes or rhubarb and things like that go up and down with supply. But the overall trend for food prices all over the world is up and it is going to be up for the foreseeable future. Then we have the problems of crop failures. Now, linked to climate change, linked to lack of fertiliser because of the war in the Ukraine, crop failure is a growing thing. Um, sometimes big crops fail. Sometimes olives fail. There's a problem with olives at the moment in Europe. Sometimes coffee fails. These things have happened throughout history, but there are more of them coming. Climate change is speeding up the way in which these crop failures take place. Now, just when you thought all the terrible things that can happen to you are, are not going to happen to you, then we have the personal things. We've already mentioned that your national problem might be unemployment. Your personal problem might be unemployment. You may be losing your job. You may be out of a job. You may have your benefits being cut if you're surviving on unemployment benefits or something like that. You may have become divorced, which will face you with all kinds of uh, cuts in income and expenditure that you wouldn't have imagined. You may have had somebody die in your family. It may have been a parent. It may have been a partner. It may have been, uh, heaven forbid, another member of your family. Death can ruin your finances as well as the emotional strain of it and the personal grieving that you have to do. It can also put you in a financially difficult situation, unless, of course, you've got some millionaire aunts that you never saw who's left all the money to you. I've been waiting for a long time for that to happen, and it hasn't happened so far. Birth can also cause big financial strains. If you've all of a sudden got a new addition to your family, can I congratulate you right away? That's a wonderful thing. But is that going to hit your finances? Yes. It might restrict the amount of time you can work and the amount of money you can earn. It might affect your chances of promotion, unfortunately, because we don't live in a very enlightened time. It's certainly going to affect your costs of childcare and what have you. So that's another issue. Then there's health generally. All of us can suffer. You know, there's a lot of time when somebody comes to the news and you hear some celebrity somewhere has developed some disease which stops them working. And it can happen to any of us. And ill health can strike when we least expect it. And it can reduce our ability not only to earn money, it can also reduce our ability to be self-sufficient, to be mobile, to be able to do all the things we want to do, all the things we need to do. And then apart from that, there's ageing. As you get older, you may be losing your uh, physical strength a little bit you certainly will get more tired and all of that is going to affect what you can do and how much you can earn 
So if I'm saying all these things, not to give you a gloomy list of what can go wrong with the world, I'm sure you knew anyway, and I'm sorry if it's, uh, if it's reminded you all too clearly of the horrors that there could be out there. The important message is you cannot afford to glide on thinking that everything is going to be the same. You cannot afford to think, oh, I like doing this, I'll carry on doing that. Oh, I like eating this, I like drinking that. I occasionally like to go here. I... All of these things are in doubt. So what we've got to do today is to talk about what you can do. And again, uh, these are going to be big ideas. I'm not going to come down to really little um, specifics, except on one or two occasions. Now, we go back to that original point of needs and wants. Now, the time when this is going to become important to you is by looking at your life and maybe getting a copy of your bank statement for the last month, if you have it printed or if you have it online. Take a good look at it and try and identify those things on there that were pure wants. How many times did you eat out? How many times did you get takeaways? How many times did you go out for an evening's entertainment? Could you cut that back? Could you maybe, instead of eating out three times a month, for me, eating out three times a decade is quite an achievement. So, uh, yeah, if you eat out three times a month, could you change that to two? Could you eat somewhere a little bit cheaper? Could you order something a little bit cheaper on the menu? Could you drink a little bit less when you eat out? If you look at what you're spending on food, can you get your weekly food bill down? Are there items that are expensive? Are there, think carefully about, are there things you ever throw away because you haven't had chance to use them by the time they're spoiled? If there is, if you're buying a big container of yoghurt and before you get to the bottom of it, it's grown a, a long green beard, is it time to start buying a smaller package of yoghurt? Or is it time to get your yoghurt pot, pour half of it in container and freeze it? And then when you've used up the pot, get the one out of the freezer, defrost it, whisk it up a little bit and eat that instead as a way of avoiding waste. Are there vegetables and fruits that you're veg reg regularly throwing away because they've gone off? Now, as far as vegetables and fruits go, it's good to have a point in the week, which is sort of midway between when you go shopping. Look at what you've got in the fridge that is going to spoil in the next few days and cook with it. Make a stew, make a fruit salad, do anything to avoid waste because everything you throw in the bin is money that you have earned, that you have paid tax on, which you have gone to the shop and spent and then you're taking the produce of all that work and all that money and all that shopping and throwing it in a bin. So avoiding waste is really important and look at some of those expensive things and see if you really need them. If there's food you really like, maybe you buy it once a month. If there's, oh, I don't know, let's say there's cheese that you really like that's quite expensive. Have you thought about just buying it a few times a year? Maybe when family is at home for a holiday, get the special cheese and the rest of the time do with something cheaper. By looking at your food bill and by looking carefully with needs and wants very clearly at the front of your mind, you can reduce it. You can reduce it. I personally would recommend that you consider, you see I'm phrasing this very carefully so it doesn't sound like advice. I would recommend that you consider cooking everything from scratch. Buy raw materials, 
go home, cook with them, put them in the fridge, put them in the freezer, make meals, make meals that can maybe do three or four times. Look at your cooking costs. Look at how much you're spending. Ovens are expensive to run now. If you can cook things on the top, that's so much the better. If you can cook things in one pan, if you can cook a stew or a curry or a casserole in one pot, that's a lot cheaper than cooking things in lots of different pots. So look carefully at the meals you're cooking and see if there are some meals, which again, if there's a meal you really like and you don't want to stop doing, don't do it so often. You know, say, oh, I really like, you know, putting the oven on and having roast, but yeah, I'm talking Northern European speak here and having roast potatoes and parsnips and, and everything that you go with a normal roast. Instead of having that once a fortnight, have it once a month. Reduce your costs by reducing what you personally do. Heating is horrendous. And yet so many people overheat their houses. How many times have you been somebody's house and you open the door and it's like walking into a tropical jungle somewhere and there they are walking with no socks on and in a t-shirt and it's December or January and they don't have to do that. They could buy themselves some socks and a jumper and turn the heating down. Uh, really heating your house is where more and more of your expendable income is going to go. Try to do what people have done for centuries, which is get together. If people, you know, like sitting and listening or watching a film, why don't they all do it in the same room? If you want to watch different films, people have headphones, they can put it on, you can have your laptop, you can sit in one room and have the heat comfortable in that room, and your whole family can sit in that room and do things. Or you could watch a film together, or you could even try playing a board game or something like that. It's a way of keeping warm by keeping everybody together. And it's the same with meals. If you live in the kind of household where people come and cook their meal and wander off and eat it in one room, try sitting round at a table in a room with some heating on, cook a meal that everybody can eat, that way you're saving money on heating, you're saving money on food and you're saving money on cooking. If you don't want to do that every day, start off three or four times a week and build it up to seven days a week is the ideal because the way the world's going, things aren't going to get any easier. And eating together as a family, why, why do we have families if not to spend time together? Okay, if when you go to work, you go out and buy some lunch, you pop around the corner and buy a sandwich or buy a panini or whatever. Consider taking packed lunch. Get yourself a sturdy, recyclable lunchbox the night before or that morning, however your day is like to work. Pack yourself a lunch and take it and eat it. It will save you thousands of dollars over the course of a year. It really will. Take Buy a thermos flask. A, thermos, a good thermos flask will cost you the same as about buying coffee for a week. And you can make coffee at home, take a thermos flask of coffee with you. If you're serious about saving money and surviving all these terrible income reducing things that are happening to you. When it comes to clothing, be sensible. Don't buy clothing that is not going to be suitable for long term use. Buy it good buy it that's going to last long. If you're like me, you will buy it second hand. 
there's a couple of um, podcasts I've done about shopping where I go into this in more detail. I wear secondhand clothing all the time, all the time. Apart from underwear, everything else is secondhand. Shoes, I can't get secondhand because my feet are so enormous. Um, but there you go. So consider secondhand clothing and consider buying... You know, there's this thing that people tend to buy winter clothing when it gets cold and summer clothing. Go to the sales at the end of winter and buy stuff for next winter. You know, if you go to a shop, they'll be selling off sweaters cheap in March and you can put those away in your wardrobe for next winter and hey, you're set. You know, as long as you don't change size too much before next winter. Um, a lot of people spend money on entertainment and entertainment used to be uh, going out to the cinema, it used to be going bowling, it used to be doing all these things that people did as entertainment. In Britain, it consists of going to a pub or something like that. Different parts of the world have different things. Nowadays, a lot of people focus on home entertainment. Now, if you're living at home with children and, and, and with other people, you probably have subscriptions to things like Netflix, uh, HBO, uh, Apple TV, all these things, and Disney Plus. I, I can't list them all, and not all of them are international, so some of the names will be meaningless to some parts of the world. But if you do that, um, think about how much money you're spending every month. Have a look at that bank statement again. See how much you're spending on streaming services. Now, if you add to the movie streaming services, look at your audio streaming services. Look at your audio book streaming services. You know, if you've got three different um, streaming networks and you've got Spotify or Amazon Music and you've got Audible or another, that's an awful lot of things you're streaming. And consider these ways to save money. Have you ever thought of serial streaming? It's, they, <laughs> it's quite legal. What you do is you take out a contract, well, you don't take out a contract, you subscribe to a streaming network, you watch all they've got to watch, and then you stop them and go to another one. So in other words, instead of having three or four different streaming networks running at once, you do one at a time, you know? And that way you can watch what they've got, and then you can move to another one, and then you come back in about six months, nine months' time, and by that time they've got loads of new content, and you can watch new stuff anyway. But if you do that, you could cut your subscription costs by a lot. The same goes with audiobooks. There, there is LibriVox, I've mentioned before, of free audiobooks. So if your audio subscription is getting a bit much for you, make sure that you listen to all the stuff you have got. Um, try stopping subscription for six months. Stop it for the summer and then take it up again in the winter. Start using LibriVox, free streaming. There's a wonderful BBC um, thing called BBC Sounds, which has loads of audiobooks and serials and dramas and podcasts. On, and it's free. Podcasts. Podcasts are wonderful, aren't they? You're listening to one now. And how good is it? Yes, that's right. Um, podcasts are free. If you're, if, you're not, if you're paying for a subscription to listen to podcasts, you don't need to. You can listen to podcasts free. Just try it. Um, and they're great. So you, you could cut down your subscription list. And if you get really hard up, if something terrible happens to you and you find yourself with not enough money to meet your basic needs, stop all the subscription services. 
maybe in your house there's a pile of DVDs that nobody has looked at for five years. Get them out, if you've got a DVD player still. Spend six months watching those and cut all your subscriptions and save yourself hundreds of dollars in the meantime. Um, I've no need, of course, to mention to you that books in most places are available free from public libraries. If you don't use public, I live a long way from a public library, but I do use audiobooks from a public library, which are completely free to me. I don't have to pay to listen to them. It's wonderful. Um, think also in terms of um, secondhand books. Uh, you can, you know, think of secondhand DVDs. You've got a DVD player. You can go to a secondhand charity thrift shop in town. You can say, right, my subscription for Netflix this month would have been $18 or whatever it is. And for $18, you could come out with a box full of DVDs. You could watch them and then you can take them back to the charity shop and save yourself some money. You can do all sorts of things. Um, don't forget second-hand books. Again, a wonderful form of entertainment, which is cheap and free. So if you can carve off a little bit from your food bill, a little bit from your cooking bill, a little bit from your clothing bill, a little bit from your heating bill, you're going to be okay. You're going to pull through. And you know what? You can continue to do this. You can say, well, six months ago, I was considering this as being an essential need. But I realise now it's just a want and I can do without it. And once you get to that point, you'll have achieved a degree of um, insurance against what the world throws at you. It's not absolute insurance because none of us can see the future. None of us what's know around the corner. But the more you get used to living within your means, the better it's going to be for you. Remember those Amish families. Remember that when the economic crash came, they were pretty much unaffected. Uh, you, by making yourself more self-reliant, can do the same. And... If you want to save money by growing your own food, have a look back at some of the earlier podcasts in this series and you'll get some advice to grow it. A, if you've got a garden, or B, if you haven't got anywhere to grow at all, you can still get food for free all the time. Okay, um, remember that if you want to get in contact with me, you can through social media. I should make the point that it's almost spring here and my time on social media is reduced accordingly because getting out in the sunshine and growing food is more important than being on social media. So if I take a few days to respond to you, please don't worry, but I will get back to you. It's been nice talking with you. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please do what you can on social media to publicise it, like it, tell your friends, tell your enemies if you don't like it and they'll have to listen to it too. Whatever you do, it's been nice having you and I hope to see you again next time. Thank you.